Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk, but in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Our vignette is the Black Country Blokes tuna fat with me, Kev Dillon, and Craig Binches. Sorry about the bit of late starts, technical difficulties. But with everything going on at the moment, we've all just come out of our second lockdown and now we've all gone into tier one, two and three. Most of us are in two and three. I know the black country are in tier three. So we thought we'd do something a bit more light-hearted today because, quite frankly, we need a laugh. Or as we say in the black country, a bloody good laugh. And we were saying, if the, black, if the Love Island ever come to the black country... Well, we haven't got an island, so we'd have to do it on the canal barges. So it'd be bonking on the barge, separating the wenches from the whammels and the blokes from the nanas. And if you know what that means, <laughs> please write in. Because often, I mean, I wish Aaron Drew was here with us tonight, because we're often, he said the reason why he didn't start on your bus because he was a bit embarrassed about dialect. And quite frankly, I love it. How about you, bro? I'm exactly the same. Um, yeah, again, apologies for the late start, we had loads of problems. Yeah, like, like the black country, I mean, it was, I think there was somebody on the news the other day or something from the black country, our immediate area, and people were like cringing. And I think it was a Facebook post saying, oh, we sound like this and we sound like that. And, you know, there was a time when I was younger, my missus always says that you, you must common as pig shit. That's, that, that's actually what they say to me. And I said, I'm actually quite toned down or I do tone it down depending on who I speak to. Now, when I used to hear black country folk on TV and on the radio, I did used to think, ooh, you know, what, what an accent. But I've learned to, as I've got older and I've, I've realised the, the industrious nature of our area and, you know, how much pride we should actually have in this little area, this little working class area, you know what, I'm no longer ashamed of it, you know, and I am who I am. It's like my uncle moved to Bury, is it Manchester? And he talks like a monk now, um, but I can't see me ever losing my accent because he, you know, it's who we are, and I think we should all be proud of it. Um, but, you know, as you were saying women, about when we're, on, when we're on the news, they always do sign to, seem to find the village idiot, though, don't they? <laughs> they do, actually. I'm, I'm surprised nobody's come across me yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's early days yet. Maybe you can point someone in my direction. But they do, but maybe that's like the majority of folk around here you know a lot of people and you're probably going to argue that who they find all the news out of this but a lot of people they get up they go to work they come back they have a few cans you know they they live very minimal and and i think a lot of that is that comes across when they're being interviewed you know you've got these sharp suited journalists probably asking them questions on the fly while they might doing the shopping you know, the might have only popped out for milk, not even brushed the teeth, probably still in the jammers a lot of the time, you know. And they've got this sharp suit, like asking them questions with a camera in front of them. And I, I think <laughs> it does catch us black country folk off guard. You know, we're not the most socially etiquette. You know, we, we don't follow any any English speech pattern, do we? So, Well, our, our dialect, and it is a dialect because we have different words. It's not just an accent. 
the dialects, but our dialect is one of the oldest in the country. It links right back to the Saxons. So, we, and if you ever have the time, if you're from the black country, please go to the museum. Or if you're not from the black country, come down because when you talk to these volunteers, and they're so passionate about the past and how we talk and get yourself a black country dictionary. And we, if, um, if people would like to write in today, so I've, I've said to Craig off there, some of the old sayings like, um, I'm taking the babby up the um, up the wooden hills to put it to bed. So what is a babby and what is the wooden hills? So write in if you know that one. Yeah, I, th- I think if people can write in just just like every every saying that they come across, because there's always been like an older person in the family that, that still speaks like that. It's like, I don't know, if you used to eat a lot as a kid, your granddad's or your nan's would say, you could eat a boncos, are you good? Or you could eat like a boncos. And you think, you can eat like a boncos. Now, to us, we understand that. And you think, that just means he eats a lot. But to a lot of people, they'd be like, he can eat like a boncos. It sounds Swedish or, or German or Russian or whatever it sounds. But, um, I mean, there was a lady at the school the other day, and she always says hello to me walking past. And I can't remember what she exactly said. And I only just about caught it. And I think it was some. I think it was something like cold enough for a chuffing penguin. And I thought <laughs> cold, cold enough for a chuffing penguin. And I thought, like I had to catch it, and I couldn't help but smile to myself and think, if a complete stranger were to say that quick, cold enough for a chuffing penguin, they'd be thinking, what the, what was that? <laughs> Double Dutch. <laughs> well, a, a lad come down, one of my dad's mates come down to one of the boxing shows. He went, can I have a cup of tea? He went, a cup of tea. How many? He went. <laughs> And it's like, a cup of tea, how many? You thought it must have been like a black country blend, like, you know, Yorkshire too. <laughs> cup of tea, how many? <laughs> right. it, the amount of people that will say, I mean, I get it from Brummies and that, you know, a lot of Brummies can't understand where we're from. I had this debate with, with some Brummies once in a pub up in Erdington, I think it was. And I, I was with this group of people, my partner's mum used to live up there, and they'd turn around and say, they'd, they'd say it's half past. What time is it? Oh, it's half past seven. And I said, it's hey, half past, it's half past. They said, it's hey, half past, it's half past. You know, black country folks speak, you know, you speak wrong. And I said, we speak proper. I said, would you go to the bar and say, can I have half a pint? And they was all like, ah, oh, no, wouldn't you'd say half a point. Well, it's the same freaking word. You know, you yes, we do to, speak lazy. When you say you go to the bar, and when you go up to the bar and say, can I have a cold? And when I was at the Black Country and they said, what's a cob? And I went, I don't know another word for cob. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing. It's a, They'll call it a bap. It's like pikelets. You know, I hear people say, I want a crumpy. I say, I don't like pikelets. I say, what do you mean, pikelets? I grew up on them being called pikelets. I don't know if yeah. that's an old thing or a Black Country thing or whether it's they used to be called that. I don't know. But I grew up with them called pikelets. So if someone said, do you want a crumpet? I expect a scone. And then they say, no, that's a scone. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference? And isn't it funny, when you've been used to these words, like I went out, Rosary Kay, talking to a woman. I went, oh, you're a lovely wench. And I thought she was going to glass me. I went, what, what, you are my wench? My mum's a wench. I, yeah, but when you're outside <laughs> of the area, it's an offensive term. But I, I all just call them wenches. I did read that somewhere that wench is, is quite an offensive term. It's like the word mush. Now, I am a big user of the word. I don't use mush, you know. All right, mush. 
I don't know if that's black country, but I know it. I know it aggravates me, and there are certain parts of like the black country dialect that that does aggravate me. But like, I always pick up, not pick on her, but I always say to my sis, I'll say it weren't and it wasn't, and I'll say, what? Speak proper. I say, what do you mean? I say, are you going to keep talking to you if you're going to be like it weren't? I said it war. You know, like waiter. You say water, it's waiter. He asked me for a pint of water, and I'll say, what's that? You know, it's it, like, but my nanny Joan when used to say, "Hey, hey, hey, that's what horses eat. <laughs> that's what horses eat." <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you see, to be fair, it's um, I I enjoy the black country. Like, I am proud of where I'm from, but it's only been recently, if I'm honest, because because um, you know, if you look back, uh, we we were like at the pinnacle stage of like the industrial revolution, we kind of spearheaded the industrial revolution, you know, and when, uh, especially in this area, when you like crystal palace and things like that, it was, it was built in the black country, the steel, the glass and things like that was, was black country built, I believe. But there's so much from around here. That's why we've got the name, the black country, black by day, because of all the smog from all the furnaces, the coal mines and red by night from all the, all the foundries. And I think I can't record it, but, uh, who wrote it. Uh, it's in a famous novel. But once again, if anyone knows, please write that in where that quote originally come from. It might even be Charles uh, Dickens. No, nah, it was Charles Dickens. It was, I read into this. It might tell you on the Black Country Museum site. It was, I, I believe it was a poet that was travelling traveling the world and he came to this place. And I think he writ um, Black by Day, Red by Night. I think I think that's where he read. Um, I can't remember the name of the poet. I even got my phone because I'm I'm recording this on it at the moment. But if someone can type in the comments who actually wrote that poem or where it originated from, it'd be interesting to see. Um, but mate, it, we we well know, and you know, I've worked in Ireland, and there was a Yorkshireman there, and there was scouts there. And as soon as I open my mouth, they say, "Oh, he's a yam yam," you know that it's like this little tiny area that's populated by. God knows how many people. It's not. It's not a great amount, is it? You know, it's only a small area. You know, we're, we're quite widely known. They're real people, weren't they? Our grandfathers, grandmothers. They're working class folks. You know, they'd wake up and have to have a bit of lard on the breakfast, and he'd be out at the mine all day. Like my granddad Beckley was in the mines, and what people don't realise back in the day, he was paid in tokens that he could only spend at his gaffer's shop. That's a slave, isn't it? That's a modern-day slave. Well, not a modern-day slave. He was just a slave with a different name. He was a miner. But he could only spend his wages at that shop. It's, it's crazy. And to be fair, I do look back at, like, when I've done a bit of research on the black country, because um, we run a music day at my son's school, and it was supposed to be black country-themed to start with. And I did a bit of research on certain things, and I think, you know what? Like, how tough how tough people had it back then, you know, wherever you're from in the world, but how tough the black country folk had it back then. And it goes to show like my dad working three jobs, that work ethic, he was born in the sixties, early sixties, and that carried on through. And we was raised under that principle, you know, but how they had it like in the 1800s and early 1900s, I'm so glad that I've got the life I have, even though I find it tough sometimes. And I think that, I'm up against it and the universe has got it in for me. 
you know, we've got warm, you know, warm running water. We ain't got to go out to the back garden for a, for, for the toilet, you know, in a cold outhouse. But that's why I want to keep some of these sayings going. Because, you know, a lot of the youth don't realise the old sayings. Or that one, it's getting dark over Bill's mother's. I, I think there's a couple of variations of that, right? I've heard it's black over the back of Bill's mother's. You but know, things like sayings, that. These little sayings are lost. Or when uh, your nan used to say, oh, you've got dirty Donnies and Fizzog. That's it. That's it all. Wash your fizzog. You no, don't your hands and your fizzog with your, uh, your face. It'll be interesting to hear if like these sayings are actually originated or are actually black country dialect or whether they've been, you know, learned or brought from different cultures or different areas. I think that would be quite interesting because we take it a lot of like it's it's our own. But I wonder if any have originated from outside of the black country at all? Well, everything isn't your own, is it? Because that's the thing, isn't it? If people move into your village or they conquer your village, you pick up some of their traits. And that's why the black country is one of the oldest dialects. Because we've never, we've picked up bits from everyone who invaded us, the Vikings, the Saxons, the, and bits of their dialects, bit of their languages have stuck with us. And I think it's, it, it's diluting, though. Um, like the black country accent and, and the dialect is diluting, and I think that's just that's just the movement of the times. You know, we're, we're more of a multicultural like area, so obviously different accents are coming in, different languages are coming in. So you you adopt better English to be able to speak, you know, to to like multicultural folk and backgrounds. I think you adopt better English. To, to liaise with them a little bit better so, and then you just start speaking that way, you know, and a lot of it is because people are just embarrassed of, of the black country dialect. You know, my, my uncle said to me before when I went up to him in Manchester and he, he used to go in a club or run a club or something up there, like a gent- like an older, you know, like a war veteran club, you know, the kind of one about, not a gentleman's mm. club, not that kind of club. Um, <laughs> and he basically said, a joke, like, tongue and cheek a bit of it he basically said now come in here but keep your mouth shut because he didn't want us speaking the way we speak around them because I'm like oh put t- get along you know them all full of t- so they up, up north I, I, I think it's great like when you talk to your nan and granddads and people like that and it's they're so passionate about it aren't they like the black country bugle and bits and bobs and I uh, you know, I'm not a proper Aaron Bayer. You know, I'm a yam yam, but I'm not an Aaron Bayer. Because, as you say, in the real world, uh, when you're going for a job or you're out places, you do try and speak more correctly. But when you're in the boozer or at the boxing gym, then you can, you know, fall back into your, your proper dialect. I think that, I think a lot of it with me is it's not embarrassment. Like sometimes when I tone it down, it's to save the other person the embarrassment of saying pardon and then me the frustration of having to have to repeat it in better English anyway. You know, we, we, we're lazy speakers for the most part and it does, like, you'll always be that way. But even now I'm toning it down, you know, when I'm talking to myself, it's proper, hey and core and yo. But that's just well, who we am. I, I don't think we should be ashamed of it. Well, I was talking to, um, to Paul, who we had on the show, on Tuesday, he was from Scotland, and we were laughing. Him having a strong um, Scottish accent, and us having a big yam yam accent. 
But then, I was, and he was saying what you've just said, he tones it down when he's talking to someone who's not from the area. But when you're talking to people who you're familiar with, then you just let it go. But isn't it funny? A scouse is always supposed to be a scouse, or a man, a cockney, very proud people. But the, uh, the yam yams, for whatever reason, because they, the dummy brummy, you know, doodly. And you're thinking, well, just because it's our dialect, it's not my thick. Some of the cleverest people I know from this beautiful area. We're the most in, we're, right, we're in the most industrious area within within England, and I'll, I'd go out on a limb and say that. And I think people do feel dumbed down a little bit because it's their own dialect. You know, with like scousers and manx and things like that, they have their own they have their own accent and they have their slangs, but they don't replace they don't replace like most words. Whereas we do, it's like going. I'm going to the shop. You know, I'm going to the shop. What's the shop? And I'm going. You know, people people don't understand it, and I think people feel like you're. What, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you go in a room and you feel everyone's staring at you because you're different. And I feel, especially in this this day and age, we're taught to be a little bit more weary of how we sound and how we look. So people try and talk like brummies, and they try and talk like proper English. Which I think is worse, actually. If a black country folk tries to talk proper English, I think I think then you sound like a twat. I'm sorry well, if people are out there speaking proper English, but you do. <laughs> well, I think it's just you've got to be honest to your roots. Like if your if your family speaks more correctly, you're going to speak correctly. And I think it's like don't try and be something you're not. If if you are that way, then be it and embrace it. And you know, if you call do it, you call do it, <laughs> and uh, you know. <laughs> I think wherever we're from now, and I imagine all our listeners in Israel have had to just uh, <laughs> not listen to this one because I could understand the God word. But no matter where you're from, be proud of it. And if you're working class, middle class, upper class, embrace it. Because where you're from is a big part of you. It's not all of you, but you know it is a part of you. So don't try and airbrush over it because what a wonderful part of you it is. Uh, and I think that's the important thing. I mean, like going back to the Israel thing, I think between our audio and our subtitles when they're on, they've probably got flipping cold breakers out there trying to <laughs> decipher what it is we're actually trying to say. They're probably just teaching them laugh when they laugh and nod when they nod. But, you know, it is who, it is who we are, you know, and it is where we're from. And there was a time when I thought, you know what, I can't wait to get out of this place. I'll never, ever look back. But I honestly don't think that that, that would be me because it, it it is who I am. It's the roots. And if it wasn't for the area I was brought up in or like my parents who were brought up in this area, I wouldn't be who I am today. You know, am I just an average Joe? Of course, I'm just an average Joe like a good many. But it's the morals and the principles and the values. And I think the black country folk are some of the most politest, helpful, caring people that you'll come across. I mean, you break down in a car and before you know it, you've got 15 delinquent chavs, as people would call them, there to push you up the road. You know, and I've said it before, we, people disregard us as being council estate areas and, you know, you're working class areas or it's, it's whatever, but we're some of the best people in the world and I believe that. You'll never find more generous people in a council estate because they know how it feels. To be broke, you go and ask someone for a sandwich in a million pair road, 
would say to clear off. But if you're hungry in a council estate, someone often offers you a slice of bread, they'll get you through it, or if you can't need to push, or if that's what community is. And I think that's what we've lost because we've become so self-centred. But, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it does. And I'm just going to look, because we have got a couple of comments, but I'm blind, so I'm going to have to get my ugly mush right up to the screen. Pretty you lot. So, <laughs> Stephen Hansel has put... Oh, he's... Well, I don't even... Ah, Ellie, Ellie Who, Ellie Who Burrick, the American consul to Birmingham. Wrote that poem. Oh, if I've read his that. name outright, Google says it was the man. It was this man, and I, I believe it was. I, I do remember reading something like that. So cheers, Stephen. I've probably pronounced his name all wrong, but oh well. well you can see it on the comments. <laughs> yeah. but it, it was. Who did actually... I even say it was? Who did I say it was? You said Charles Dickens, I think. I <laughs> 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 um. Are you a local guy? He's a local boy, isn't he? Is he Stratford or somewhere? That was Shakespeare. Nah, Shakespeare was, but would Charles Dickens as well local? Or am I thinking of Darwin? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, nor me. Send that in, Hansel. <laughs> yeah. Where's Charles Dickens from and where's Darwin from? Well, we have had many famous people from around here. Um, Robert Plant and uh, Stevie Ball. Uh, I think UB40. You know, we've created some great, great celebrities from the area. Um, Mate, that's... Yeah. Um, what, what's his name? That that flipping snooker player's only for Wordsley. Is it Ronnie O'Sullivan? Lenny Henry, of course. Lenny Henry, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, yeah, we, we're sort of pushing it out. What's her name, that, that girl, that Georgia Smith girl, that singer? You know, mate, there's, there's, there's a few... Only a few, but it, it don't matter. It's a few more than some areas. <laughs> but mate, like that's, we're sorry. not that. That's yeah, sort that's not us. Like as a whole, the black country and the industrious folk, and that's not to pigeonhole anyone and to say you can't be this and you can't be that. But you know, we we know more for. Did, didn't the the first successful steam engine come from the black country? Was that not a black country thing also? I don't know. I feel like we should have had more facts before we did this. <laughs> yeah, and me. I, I, did, I did look at the site on this, but it was last year. <laughs> now, what, see, we have got the facts, Kev, but what we're trying to do is act stupid so as people commenting, that's what we're trying to do. A clever man can always act a fool, but a fool can't act clever. <laughs> and what's the other one? Uh, it's better keep your mouth shut and have them think you're stupid rather than speak and prove it. So we should probably <laughs> just sit here in silence, mate. <laughs> By the way, well, I've got everyone here. In the real world, when we do start up um, selling stuff, we've got uh, Black Country mugs with all our faces on. And obviously well, our like, teacher. I ain't got a face. <laughs> yeah, my, my daughter calls you the mum in her face. <laughs> Uh, do you know what? That's probably that probably appeases the public, to be honest, and the missus. Well, we're going to be selling um, t-shirts, mugs, and then uh, the profits we're going to put towards something. I don't know, find something within the black country, especially within men's mental health. We're going to try and get our heads together. There's something that is getting ready. Ready. Uh, uh, everyone's talking about mental health, but not enough people are doing nothing about it. 
posting little comments here and there are lovely. But we've got to start helping, getting men to talk, getting women to talk, especially us blokes. And as I say, I want to be setting up mental health first aid courses from next year when we haven't got a social distance as much anyway. There was, you know, sticking to like the mental health thing at the minute, shying away from the black country thing. I, I just about caught something on the radio, I think, the other day, and it was about mental health. And I think they've discussed it in Parliament and this, that and the other. Um, and it, what made me laugh about it is they mentioned mental health issues or issues re- uh, surrounding mental health costs, uh, I don't know, the economy something like $45 billion a year or some, somewhere along that lines, if I've caught it right, so don't quote me. And it made me chuckle to myself. I thought, you know what? Employers and, and, and governments and that, they don't give a rat's ass about any of this. But now they've put an annual number on it. Maybe this is when a change is going to start to come because we all know that there's no bigger motivator for change than profit for, for these kind of people and the, these organisations. Like I said at the start of lockdown, I hope people who either have mental health or have found out they've got mental health through this lockdown, the only thing I'm worried about is once we get back on the rat wheel of life, how easy will be to forget about the hard times? It's like when you're on holiday, no matter where you're going, you're sitting there going, you know, when I get back off this holiday, I ain't going to sweat the small stuff. I'm going to be chilled. I'm going to spend more time with my family. Give it a week at work and you're back to it. And I just hope we don't forget about these odd times where people have struggled and I hope it's not all been in vain but time will tell time will tell I think I think sometimes as well I'll come to Stephen Ansel's just put a nice little fact uh, I'll read that first actually he said little known fact Guy Fawkes was found hiding in the black country after he tried to blow the houses of parliament it was next to Himley Hall next to Himley Hall so, tell my daughter that so uh, you've, you've told her that yeah, I always tell her whenever bonfire noise. That's one of my facts about it. Don't, don't you think it's unreal? I, I never once, I remember doing like Penny for the Guy and we used to have like the Guy Fawkes and make the Guy Fawkes and learn about it at school. But I never, ever remember hearing that fact in the schools. And I feel, I feel like the schools don't learn the children about the black country as much as they should. I think it should be built into... I don't know whether it should be built into the curriculum round here or whether it should just be something they say, right, you know, we're going to do an assembly based on the black country, you know, have your chimney sweeps and have your steel workers and your you know, your railway workers and stuff like that. I think should, I think that would be should, nice. That shouldn't just be a primary school level, though. I think you should, no matter what area you're from, you should have a term or whatever or a portion of local history, local celebrities. What was your area famous for? Because, you know, when you go to different parts of the country and you see they've got different bricks, you know, it'll be like sandstone, it'll be clay, it'll be this. And that's how all the houses were built out of it. We should be yeah. learning about that. Stairbridge was famous for the glassworks, making all the glasses. And then you had Neverton that um, built the anchor for the Titanic. And you've got so many different relics all around here. But as you say, none of us know about them. But that should be our thing going, bloody hell, do you know that building down there? That's where they found Guy Fawkes. Or do you know that one? That's where... Queen Elizabeth come to visit once upon a time, or Dudley Castle. Do you know the kings that used to visit here? Yeah, we don't. It's a small little plaque at the zoo. Yeah, and I think I think that's a shame. You know, we know about the history of of the world in certain countries, and 
whether it's cultural or whether it's you know geographical, we know about it. But you ask you ask someone to plan a route down a canal, you know, from here to Kimva or or wherever, and they've got no clue. But they can tell you, you know, how many earthquakes I don't know Gibraltar have had, or yeah, you know what I mean. Like they they can teach all this, but they can't look past the nose. They have to get on a bus. They have to follow GPS, and I think local area. And I'm not talking all of the West Midlands or all of the Black Country, but especially if like the primary schools here in Kings Winford, they should know within like five ten miles radius of of what's gone on in that area, where they can get to. And that's, that's what I think. There's not enough local learning going on, is there? No, I think that's the same all around the country. And we should start, because history starts at home. We've got to learn history, otherwise we're destined to repeat it. And, and I think that's the thing. And going back to, like, the mental health thing, you know, I think people are starting to click on now. But in, in the black country, I mean, you come across a certain number of people that, you know, that they'll give you their their side of things, like I'm having a down day and I'm this and I'm that. But then you, like, me personally, I've heard people then say to someone, oh, he's, he's acting on that and he's acting on this. And these same people are, are like, crying about their problems, but then sort of disregarding somebody else's as being false or as being, you know, exaggerated. And I think... If we could get in the black country people together, local figures together, even people that, you know, are, are in like in parliament and, and things like that. If we could actually get them on board and to go into the schools and to give talks, you know, when all the restrictions have, have lifted and, and all the coronavirus has gone, I think it'd do good to to you know, to frontier that. I think that's the great thing, like what we're trying to do and getting these different people on from boxers to health workers to everything, showing that men should be talking because how many tough blokes you know are you feeling more odd, Bert, more odd, Shag, more odd. And it's, we're not always all right. So let's start talking about it. I know it's the first conversation, will be the hardest one. Once you've knocked down that door, then it gets easier, I promise you. It's like a have lot we, of the things, isn't it? Have we, uh, have we got any other comments? Is there anything else you want to say on the black country, the beautiful black country? Steve Ansel again. Um, Anchor was forged at the Black Country Museum before it was a museum, of course, and the canal was always called a cut to me. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, agree kids should learn about the areas they're in, make them proud of the place they live. Down the cut. It was called the cut. Down. It was called the cut because they cut through the rocks to make the canal. That's why it was called the cut. And the foundry, right. you always had a foundry that backed onto either the railway to get to get the stuff on or next to water, next to a canal, so they could pull it down and get it on the barges. So it is a forge, as if next to the rails or next to a canal. I, I read as well, when I was learning some facts about the black countries, the barges. Obviously, that was the main transportation for 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 products from from like the black country to the docks, wherever, whether it be Liverpool or wherever. And, you know, they could sit at a tunnel, a very narrow tunnel. They could sit there in traffic, we'll say, for up to two weeks. And you think, wow, and we take for granted, you know, it takes a lorry driver two, three hours to get to these places with this heavy load. They was taking a lot less in weight and it was taking how, how many times more to actually get there. And it, 
it makes you think like the patience they must have had. They'd have been in them barges, they'd have been on the barges, cold, raining. Yes, they can go inside, but I bet there was no central eating and you know, very very minimal in, in by way of luxury, no TVs and stuff like that. I'm sure. You know, we've we've got it quite we've got it quite good at the minute. Probably too good. Well, the, the canals and the rails were the backbone of the country. Because that's how we had to get, as you say, all your all your coal, all your gear, all your metal, all your glass. And you throw them back on the back of either the train or the canal. And we were the backbone of both of them. So, as What's you said before... The, sorry. Like, no, sorry. Did, did the black country, like, dig the first canals? Oh, Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> <Having a> first, <laughs> rough. But we, we were the pioneers of it. You know, we... we in Birmingham, there's more canals in Birmingham than there is in Venice. That is crazy. It's like it's like with the Peaky Blinders, you know. The Peaky Bl- I believe the Peaky Blinders is so successful, and I know it's a brummy thing. It's more Birmingham based, but I think it's so successful because that's the closest thing we have of of calling something our own. We'll say, you know, mm. it, it's a cultural time. It was like set in the 1920s or so, and I don't know how many of them are actually Brummies or Black Country folk that star in it. You know, they're probably Cockneys learning the accent, which I think is a crying shame, if that is the case. I don't know the background and the actors. But, you know, I think that got so big because it, it felt unique. We could relate. And then once a load of it jumped on, I mean, Snoop Dogg covered the theme song, which I don't know if you heard <laughs> it. I don't know if you watched it. I it, it, it yeah. just, did you send it, mate? Yeah. Mate. I wish you hadn't. I like <laughs> Snoop Dogg's an OG at what he does. He's a legend at what he does, whether you like him or whether you don't. But to take something that was originally, I mean, it, I don't. It, it's not a black country song. Uh, the Red Hand. Yeah, it's an old you, you song. Know, the, it? It, it's an old song, but it suited the the theme of like the Peaky Blinders. It suited it, and then when you had a Yanks voice, it, yeah. like come over the top of it, I just thought. I'm, I'm glad he's moved on to Just Eat now, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. And boxing. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, oh, yes, oh, I, heard him, I heard him talking shit about the Mike Tyson one, you know, when Tyson yeah, was fighting the other night. And, well, that just it, shows how much of a Mickey Mouse that was, wasn't it? Having YouTubers on before, two 50-year-old men fighting and having Snoop Dogg on the, uh, on the, uh, um, on the compare. MC, it, and, and that's the thing, like, it, I was listening to Snoop and a lot of the stuff he was saying was stuff I'd already read in like YouTube comments. Like these, these are bad. Look like my two uncles at the family barbecue. Break them up, ma. Break them. Yeah. You know, I'd read them in the YouTube comments. So we weren't even coming with anything fresh, you know, and like you it, say, it was, it was, it, it was funny, but you know, me loving boxing, especially amateur boxing. And it's just, uh, it's just rape in the game. You know what I mean? But, we're not here to talk about that. No, but, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've been on for a good uh, 40 minutes, I think, bruv. So is there anything you want to finish by saying? I've got a little well, saying at read, the end. I'll, I'll read this Stephen Andrew thing out and then we'll look at to see if we can, any one of us can think of something. <laughs> um, the first pure canal in England was the Bridgewater Canal, which initially connected Worsley to Manchester. It was named after the third Duke of Bridgewater, who owned many of the coal mines in the northeast of the country. 
So that's a little bit of history I'll put on the screen. Uh, people from the black country include Lenny Henry, Beverly Knight. Forgot about Beverly Knight. Noddy Older. How could we forget this time of, of year? Julie Walters and Robert Plant, obviously Led Zeppelin, who also, I think he created or he's got something to do with Stourbridge Bass Studios. Um, I, I think he's a patron there. Or he, he does something with that. He's very active with that. Um, Kidderminster nice Bass. Yeah, he's Mass Records. I think they're Kidderminster Bass, which I believe they operate as a charity also. Just a bit of local um, background on some of the companies as well. In regards to sayings, mate, I'll leave this one up to you. You're more black country than me. You've lived here longer. <laughs> well, <laughs> before I go and get me cute, put the wood in the hole and go up the wooden hills. I'm going to leave <laughs> you with this card. I would if I could, but of course I don't. But look here, me man, it could always be worse. Take, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra, repeat. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.